Welcome to Fox and Frayed. I'm Anne without an E. And I'm Robin with a Y. We're the podcast that takes you down the reading rabbit hole. Thank you for coming back for our second episode. So this episode, we're going to go over some housekeeping stuff from last week, and then we'll review our book and give you a little preview of what's coming up next week. So for housekeeping, I just want to mention that in last week's episode, I started talking about reading challenge where I mentioned a pink book and Anne and I talked about the princess pawn and we talked about everything is illuminated. And I didn't explain what I was talking about. I just kept blowing past that. Like it was something that everybody knows about. So I wanted to explain that I was talking about the pop sugar reading challenge, which is a reading challenge from the website pop sugar. And they release one every year. And there's like 50 books on the challenge, I think. And each particular prompt is like, one will be like, read a book with a pink cover or read a book that starts with the letter P or read a book from the place you were born. And so that was what I was talking about when I brought that up. So hopefully if you listen to that episode, you now have clarification. And we're going to go into our book reviews, I think. And do you want to start or should I? Up to you. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. The first book that I read this month was a audiobook called And Then There Were None. It's by Agatha Christie. So Agatha Christie is known for her mystery novels, for those who don't know. And Then There Were None is about 10 people who are invited to this island by some rich, mysterious person. And slowly they get killed off one by one, which is not a spoiler. It's revealed in like the very first, like very first page. That's what, uh, what is revealed. So you have to figure out who did it before they're all dead. It's based on a poem called 10 Little Soldier Boys, I think. And so the poem goes something like, 10 little soldier boys went out to dine, one choked his little self, and then there were nine, nine little soldier boys, something. It's like, like the whole thing rhymes, and they slowly get killed off one by one. And it was okay. dark. It's really, yeah, it's very dark for like a children's rhyme. It was okay. Like it didn't really draw me in that much. I was reading it for the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge, and I just felt like, look, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would have finished it if it wasn't for the challenge. I don't want to like toot my own horn, but I felt like the ending was very predictable. Like as I was reading it, I kept thinking, oh, this is the thing that is happening. This is what's going on. And then there was one moment where I was like, oh, maybe it's not that thing. Maybe it's this other thing. And then I was like, no, 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 this is how I can explain this other thing that just happened. So it's definitely this thing. And then that's, I had predicted the ending correctly, but a lot of people on Goodreads said, you know, the ending was so amazing. I was so surprised. I was so shocked. So I don't think that I'm some amazing mystery detective or something like that like I normally have no idea what's going on in every mystery novel I read like normally I have no clue so I don't know if you really enjoy mystery it's worth checking out but if you're not probably skip it okay okay I don't know it's interesting with a classic those classic whodunits I wonder just like if we're so desensitized to it that they're not as captivating anymore honestly that might be what it is There is a note from her at the beginning of the book that says basically, it's basically her thanking people for giving her such good reviews and that she knew how, she knows more than anyone else how difficult it was to write that without the ending being obvious. And I was just like, this was a groundbreaking novel for its time and I'm so underwhelmed by it. And normally I'm blown away by classics. I usually, I don't think there's any classic I've read where I've felt lukewarm about it. So it was a little disappointing to say the least. Okay, so one of the first books that I read this month, November, I can't even say I read it all in November. I finished it in November, though, and that was Educated by Tara Westover. This book took me a long time to read. It's very emotional, and it's a memoir written by a woman who was basically, like, unschooled for much of her life in a very, very religious Mormon family. And kind of her memories of childhood and what led to her going and getting an education and her journey towards becoming a writer. She's actually a really interesting person. I've like listened to some interviews that she's done. So the book was very interesting subject matter, but I don't know why I found it so frustrating to read. I think just struggling with different beliefs and that really strict 
religious overbearing sense of rules and what is right even when I as the reader I'm like how can you not see that this is problematic so that was really interesting I definitely would say that it was a worthwhile read I noticed that even she herself does acknowledge several times in the book that although it is a memoir she herself is an unreliable narrator and that's really an interesting thing about memoirs because even though it's based on fact i mean it's really based on memory which is never quite accurate so i appreciated that she kind of admitted to that i don't really know what else to say i mean it was a good book and i really liked how she kind of cut it up into very small sections Me too. which makes it really easy to read if you are you know on the go constantly I'm a flight attendant in my normal life so it's nice to have kind of like small sections to read yes. when you're constantly being interrupted so that was one thing I really liked about it yeah the characters I... <laughs> frustrating but very human <laughs> yeah I read this book in the summer and I actually so my neighbors of my childhood home they are Mormon. They're part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I think is the more like the more accepted term these days. Um, so my best friend is from that church and I grew up going to the Mormon church all the time because I would have sleepovers with her and then her parents would just take me with them in the morning. So it was really interesting to see the things that she believed in and then watch her go to, oh, what is it called? BYU, uh, Bishop Young University, which is like a Mormon university. She goes to BYU and she sees her roommates doing stuff that she was taught was against her religion. But like, I know from my neighbors, like my best friend that it isn't. And it was just like, that was so interesting for me. And then this summer I had a temporary contract position as a landscaper at the Mormon church. So I was reading it at the same time as like attending the Mormon church sort of, and being around Mormons every day and working with them. So it was super interesting to, to kind of get that comparison like without giving too much away there's a part where her father says dairy is a sin and then like I'd be at work and my coworker would be eating yogurt or something right so it was kind of interesting to see the the stuff that her family believed in because although the book is about education it's also about family it's really yeah about family. yeah the whole time you're like, why does her family believe in this stuff? Like, why won't they like let her go to public school? It was yeah, I, challenging. Read. It's, it is challenging. Also just the fact that like, even their own beliefs are kind of contradictory and yeah. they contradict themselves throughout the book, which I mean, we all do. And oh my gosh, I did not want to start this off by being like super religious. I, I think like, any belief system can be taken to the extreme. Yeah. And it's really interesting to get a glimpse into that, that extreme. Yeah, it was really interesting. Definitely a really, really challenging read. I think it's worthwhile, right? Yeah, I would say it was definitely worthwhile. I'm glad I read it. It's fascinating because I think she isn't really that much different in age from us. Yeah. And to just have like such a different childhood you know, not that far even away from where we grew up. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is super. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And like watching her or reading about her struggling to like learn math, really like she crushes it. Like she gets herself an education and it, it makes you really appreciate your own education. And it made me sort of think back on my own experiences struggling to be educated. Not that I, I have never had to struggle to get an education, but I've always had struggled to learn math and science have always been really challenging for me. So reading this, I, I kind of look back on myself and think, wow, I was a real brat. Like I didn't want to do math or science at all. And, you know, I was given everything that I needed to learn and she had to fight for it. It kind of makes me wish I could go back and give myself a shake and appreciate how, how many resources I have, I had to learn. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess coming from like the perspective of someone who was homeschooled, but like not for religious reasons, it's interesting. Yeah, like the thirst for knowledge that she has and her resilience, even in the face of like 
if I, you know, pursue this, am I disappointing my family? It's really also like her story is so interesting because, you know, for many people, it's like, oh, if you don't get an education and you don't better yourself and like get a degree, that's a disappointment. So to hear the story of someone whose family really was like, we want you to just stay here and help us and not pursue an education and not be away from the family. It's just an interesting perspective switch yeah. from what maybe I'm used to. No, I totally agree. You're, you're, you're right. Yeah, that's so true. So the next book that I read this month was The Case of the Missing Will by Agatha Christie. So that was a short story, actually. It was fine. Like it was, it's really short. It wasn't an audiobook. It was just an ebook. And I thought that it would be, you know, maybe 20, 30 pages, but it was more like four or five. So it was real short. I, again, I read it for the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge. I have nothing more to say about it. Like it, it had no buildup. It had a really predictable ending. Um, one of the things that I really enjoy about short stories is that although they're short, there is a bit of world building and you kind of get to know the characters and it does come to this climax. And there was just none of that in this short story. And then I read another short story by Agatha Christie. Rather, I listened to one and it was four and 20 blackbirds. And that one was a little bit longer and that one was a bit more interesting. So if you're looking for a short story by Agatha Christie or anything by Agatha Christie right now, I would recommend Four and 20 Blackbirds. Yes, I also read that one. It is quite short, but it is entertaining. Yeah, it's a good one. It's fun. Yeah, I think like uh, it must be so difficult to write like a, a poignant short mystery story. Yeah, I think it'd be really tough. I think writing mysteries in general is really challenging. The only mystery that I've ever read that I felt truly satisfied with was Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn. I would agree with that. That yeah. was, that one really was so well done. Yeah. I have a lot to say about that book. <laughs> I really like that book a lot. I've read Gone Girl by her, and I haven't gotten to Dark Places yet. So I need to do that one. I would I would maybe say Dark Places is my least favorite. Really? Sharp Objects would probably be my most favorite. There's just something about the way she writes in that book in particular. And I don't know how she addresses toxic family dynamics and mm. self-harm in such a way that like, I don't know, I, I really wanted to, I was going to, I was meaning to look this up before, but I really feel like the way she writes about those topics, she must have some experience yeah with that yeah you might be onto something I'm, I'm very interested to see when she releases another book because it's been a while since Gone Girl came out right and she wrote she's been a, a long time yeah she wrote a short story for some it, I, I can't remember what it was it was like a mystery short story anthology thing and she wrote like an introduction for it or something like that I don't really remember what it was but I'm I'm interested to see her her new book whenever it comes out or if she ever releases another one. I don't even know if she's planning on releasing another one because Gone Girl came out in like 2012. It was almost 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I'm sure like she can't just pump out a mystery novel every single month or year or whatever. She's not Stephen King, so you know no one writes like that guy. <laughs> so he's a machine. It, like oh, he blows my mind. Yeah, because like, you think like oh wow, if you're writing this many books. Like, possible you know we have lots of like Danielle Steele's and whatnot but Stephen King's books every time I'm gonna read one I'm like oh but can I commit to 1,000 pages yeah yeah and he pumps it's out not so like many. an easy read no it's not it isn't like a paperback romance that you know you can write up in a couple of weeks or something like these are complex long books and he has like several releases here it's crazy he's wild he's a crazy guy yeah I have, yeah. I have respect. So another little bit of a spooky book that I read this month, and I'm kind of like, ah, this isn't like a bragworthy book, but I read The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer by Jennifer Lynch. And if you're a fan of the Twin Peaks television show, it's kind of like a spinoff written by the director David Lynch's daughter. Whoa. <laughs> so if you've seen the show or if you haven't, it's kind of a mystery about a young girl who is murdered in 
kind of a weird smallish town and that is Laura Palmer and her diary features throughout the show but we don't really get like any major reveals from it so this book puzzles together <laughs> like journal entries based on everything we all else we learn throughout the show and then kind of embellishes some things and like fills in backstory and so like yeah it's kind of trashy you know not <laughs> high caliber reading but it was really fun to read because over over like Halloween I was watching Twin Peaks and it just was like nice. a little bit extra dark insight and I was thinking about like how fun it would have been to write it that is so, really fun. Wow, I love that. I haven't watched Twin Peaks. I watched the first like half of the first episode, but I want to keep watching it and now I'm I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I might have to start. It's really good. The, like it's the first season is really special. I would say like I mean this isn't reviewing movies and TV, but yeah, definitely up until you they reveal the killer. It's such an amazing show like the yeah. ambiance the atmosphere and the music it's so good nice oh I want to watch it I've heard it's like a little bit stranger thingsy almost it has that like everything just kind of works in that way like um, small town yeah, I would vibes. say but I would be surprised if it didn't somehow inspire stranger things yeah a little bit it's like really a classic but at the time it was really like unlike anything else right yeah yeah I know my parents really liked it like my mom loved it when it was on I think that reading those kind of books, though, is so such a rewarding experience, right? Even though it's not, you know, like Russian literature or something like that, it's it's still enjoyable and it's still fun. And if it makes you happy, like, who cares? You know, you don't have to prove your reading self to anybody. Yeah. And one thing is, like, I don't know why, maybe, cough, cough, the election threw me off, but mm. I really didn't read as much as I wanted to in November. Neither. And so sometimes... I think there is value in just reading a very easy to consume, maybe less challenging book, just to give yourself a little bit of a win, a little bit of a boost, kind of get back into it and then tackle your Russian literature. Yeah, I totally agree. I didn't read that as much as I wanted to this month either. So the other book that I read this month was The Lonely Hearts Hotel by Heather O'Neill. <sighs> this book. Oh my goodness. I have so much to say and so many thoughts and feelings on it. This was a journey. This book was a true journey for me. So the Lonely Hearts Hotel, I guarantee that if you've been inside of any major bookstore or chain in the last three years, you've seen this book. In Canada, we have chapters or indigo. And at the very front door, they have like a table displaying popular books. Right. And it's like the staff of the store will put out whatever books they like there too. And they'll write their name on it and say like book chosen by Robin or something. Right. So the Lonely Hearts Hotel has been on those front tables since like 2017 when it was released. It's got like a dark blue cover with moons and stars in silver on the front. And there's somebody sort of like sitting on the moon on the front cover. Like you've definitely seen this book before. If you're at all involved in any sort of like book community, you've seen this book. So Every time I would go into chapters, I would see it and I'd be like, oh, I kind of want to check that out. But I never really had like the, never took the initiative to buy it. I always was there to get something else. And then I went into my local bookstore recently and I was in the used section and I saw it for like $11. So I was like, okay, perfect. I'll get it. Like, I'm really excited to read this. Brought it home. It sat on my bookshelf for like a couple of weeks. And then I was like, I wanted to read it, but I was also like, oh, I don't know if I'm really that interested in this now. So it's about these two orphans who are given to a, their orphanage in like 1910s. Uh, maybe not, maybe not quite 1910. They're born in like, I don't know when they were born. I have lost track of the timeline of this story, but essentially they both find their way out of the orphanage and they're kind of coming of age in Montreal during the 1920s and going into the 1930s. So like the boy is doing his thing in I don't want to give away too much, but he's, he's a part of regular society by the time he's like 14 and that's, you know, like 1924. And then he's like 20 in 1930 when the great depression hits. I think that's, and she's like the girl in the book is like a couple, a year or two younger than him. 
and they fall in love in the orphanage and he is a very good piano player and she's a really good performer and she'll do things where like she holds onto a lamppost and then can push herself out sideways as if there's like wind blowing her and I thought this book was going to be just a cute love story about two orphans in Montreal but oh my goodness read the back cover like Robin, why didn't you pay attention to the back cover? The back cover says there's sex, violence, crime, and drugs. And for whatever reason, I completely disregarded that when I picked up the book. And it is the most like sexual book I have ever read in my life. I was shocked. Like, I do not have a problem with that. I am not against that in books in any way. I'm totally comfortable reading that. I was just so surprised. I just wasn't expecting it at all. Very first page, page numero uno, sex. Like first page. And almost every single chapter has some sort of reference to drugs, crime, or sex. And it isn't subtle at all. Like this is not a very PG episode because of what I'm about to say. But just to give you an idea of some of the language, one of the sentences was literally he wanted to give up heroin so that he could get his dick hard again. I was like, oh my word, I was not expecting that. It's such a beautiful cover, like the book is so beautiful that I thought it was gonna be just a very sort of innocent, lighthearted book, but it's not at all. There is a lot of sex, a lot of pornography, there's a lot of sexual abuse and sexual exploitation. There's like sexual violence against children, so really big trigger warning there. It is very dreamlike. There's a certain detachment from the writer, um, Heather O'Neill, to the story. And um, she kind of, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, omniscient, omniscient, is that the right word? Where she goes- Omniscient? She goes, omniscient, yeah, 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 thank you. Where she goes into the minds of every, of every character. So there's like a certain level of detachment from the characters and from the story. And she, uh, she sometimes uses language that doesn't really make sense for the time period. There's one scene where the little boy, or he's like an adult at this point, but he says something like, that really weirded me out. And I just don't know that people in the 1930s used the expression weirded me out, but it still works. This isn't a critique. It fits because the book is just so weird. So when I first started reading it, I was like, I'm not really sure that I'm into this. And then by probably a quarter of the way through, I was like, this is so good and weird and just unlike anything I've ever read. It reminded me a lot of The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern, but it's not as good as The Night Circus. I have to admit, The Night Circus is really weird and has actual magic in it. And the entire time I was reading The Lonely Hearts Hotel, I was sort of expecting something magical to happen. And nothing really does. It's just sort of a story about people. And one of the reviews for the Lonely Hearts Hotel on the, on the copy that I have says, it's like a movie, it's cinematic. And it's just not like it doesn't draw you in the same way books that are like, you know, when you're reading a book that's like a movie, and you can picture everything. There were certain times when I was reading the book where I just felt like I wasn't really sure where they were. Like, you know, when you're having a dream and you kind of know, like, you're, you're like, this is my house, but it wasn't my house. Yeah. That's what this felt like, where you're like, okay, it's the 1930s and it's in Montreal, but it's also not the 1930s and it's not Montreal. So it's very interesting. It talks about gender roles. There is some, like, violence against animals as well, which I was really not a fan of. And it, that felt a little unnecessary at times, but it's, it's I, I would really recommend it. I think it was probably my second favorite book of the month. If you want something really weird, check it out. Well, I might just have to check into that. I feel like I've definitely seen that book when I'm at the airport at chapters there. Yeah. But yeah, I probably just like ignored it because it just looks pretty unassuming. I honestly thought it was just your regular contemporary fiction. And I, I love contemporary fiction that isn't any shade on that genre. Like some contemporary fiction just doesn't stand out. You read it and then yeah. you sort of forget about it, right? And this is not one of those books. I was just so surprised by the content. Okay. Yeah. I might proceed with caution Yeah. on that one. So interesting. And I'm really huh. excited to hear about your next book. I'm very okay, eager well, to talk about this book. <laughs> yeah. So another book that, like, yeah, I could have read 
the I don't I don't know why we do that like I often will just not even look into what a book is about I know that you recommended this book to me and I just went in totally blindly I was like okay this book is called The Hike by Drew Drew McGarry Drew McGarry yeah and um (laughs) I I don't know maybe because like you and I have a history of going on hikes together and I just kind of thought like (laughs) maybe this is gonna be kind of like a wild type of book you know self-discovery uh going on a hike and it's wild that's (laughs) for sure I don't want to spoil it, but also, like, things just get weird on, like, page 11. Yeah, like, right away it gets intense. For me, like, I'm not the biggest fantasy fan, but this was really, really engaging and, like, oddly relevant to, like, being kind of in this weird phase of a global pandemic and just, like, the uncertainty that comes with that. The writing is just so good. This is one of those like a few books that I read this year where you get to the end and you just like are satisfied. You're yeah. like, wow. Yes. yes. Yeah. I completely agree. Yes. What is it about? Give us a give us a quick synopsis. I one of the reviews, it said it's like Alice in Wonderland meets Cormac McCarthy, which is the most perfect description. I would say that is a pretty accurate yeah. description. Yeah, it's kind of just about this guy, and he has a family, and he's away for a business trip, and he decides to take a little walk, and he goes on a journey, and is it a real journey? Is it not so real? You're going to have to set off on the trail to find out. Yeah. And I suggest you do, because it is a worthwhile read. It's very fast-paced. It's very engaging the characters and the internal dialogue I found it to be very well written I'd be super interested also to like read some of his other work me too yeah I very talented yeah he's a very talented writer and I feel like everyone in the book community is sleeping on the hike I have I hadn't heard of it I had okay I don't even this is my story of the hike okay I somehow, one way or another, heard about it. No idea how it came into my life, but it was on my Goodreads list. And then back in March, I had a feeling that the libraries were going to close. So I like went through my Goodreads list and I put a bunch of books on hold so that they would come to my local library, right? And one of the books that I put on hold was The Hike. And I was like, oh, I've, like, I've had this on my Goodreads list for a long time. I'm going to give it a shot. And I've heard it mentioned on one book podcast. And that's, that's it. I I have no idea how this came into my life, which is very fitting for the hike because it is just so weird. It makes sense that it would just suddenly like be a part of your existence. Kind of the long and short of it, it's about this guy who is in a world that is like ours, but it has gone really wrong. And there's a lot of scary things happening. And the book is quite violent at times. It's just a warning for anybody. I typically don't really like violent things. So the fact that I liked it is a testament to how good it is. But about a guy who's in a world that's like ours, there's some scary things going on and he just wants to be with the people that he cares about again. And that's exactly how I felt in March where I was like alone. I was like, what is happening over in Italy? Like what is going on here? Everything is closed. Like, Oh my gosh, this is so weird. I was with my parents, but at the time I wasn't able to see my boyfriend very often because obviously people weren't supposed to see each other. So Ty and I would go for like a 20 minute walk every day. And that was like the only time I got to see him. And I felt like the hike found me. And like Drew McGarry wrote it for me. Like he was like, okay, Robin, get ready. This one's for you. That's what it felt like for me anyways. And it's bizarre, but so good. So, so good. And he really sticks the landing. The ending is so good. I was trying, I was about to fall asleep when I was reading it and I got to the end. I was like, how am I supposed to sleep now? Like, this is crazy. And I immediately went on Instagram and Goodreads on my phone to see what other people were saying. And every, all of the reviews were like, the ending. Oh my God. Yes, I agree. One of the best books I read in 2020, for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For sure. It's definitely on my list for best books of 2020. Another book that I read, and I actually just read this book yesterday, all in one go, was Wonder by R.J. Palacio. Could be wrong. 
at the pronunciation right. I think there. That's right. <laughs> which is actually a junior book, which is how I was able to read it in one day. And it's a story about a young boy going into grade five and going to public school for the first time with a facial condition. And I should have written it down because I cannot pronounce it. I don't even know if I could pronounce it if I was reading it. I don't even know how to exactly describe. I kind of want to look it up. Okay. Look it up, yeah. I While you look that up, I will just chat. I read this book, oh my gosh, probably in like 2012, I think, maybe 2013. Did you have it? Yeah, like Traitor-Collins syndrome. Traitor-Collins syndrome. Okay, I don't remember that. He has like a cauliflower ear, I think, mm-hmm. right? And like his eyes are not, like I thought one of his eyes was lower than the other. Like one of them is higher up on his face and the other one is lower down. And I think he has a cleft palate. In wonder, yeah, yeah, and then I think there's something going, a on lot going his, on. Yeah, something is going on with his nose too, but I can't remember what it was. I don't remember. It's kind of like a bigger than it, like it looks too big because the rest of his eyes are kind of like mm. everything else is kind of squished. Right. It's like a bunch of different. He has like multiple conditions. Multiple conditions. Yeah. I remember when I read the book, trying to Google what he what he would have looked like because the author says it's based on someone that he actually saw. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I want, I like want to make sure that I'm getting like the right idea here. I'm per- like, I'm imagining this correctly, and I couldn't find any images online that clarified what was going on exactly. Now, if you Google it now, there is the actual kid who inspired the book. There are pictures of him and his family. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In the book, wonder he has Traitor Collins syndrome. But then combined with some other issues, and so he's had multiple plastic surgeries on his face to correct a cleft palate, to extend his jaw. And so his face looks quite different from what the other children in grade five look like. And so the book kind of starts off with him going to an interview for starting fifth grade at public school after being homeschooled for the rest of his life and of course he's kind of nervous and the book follows his entire journey through grade five and I think this book really I I would say it's quite elegant in it's the way it speaks of kind of challenging topics about self-acceptance and societal acceptance and bullying but still in a way that it is a junior book. I actually did read this book because one of my friends who is becoming a teacher is reading it with their fourth grade class. And so I was just kind of interested in it because of that. And I think she does a really good job of, I think the author is a she. I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure actually either. <laughs> actually, it's just initials. I'm not sure if I should gender this person. Yeah, the author does a really good job of being uplifting while still being like very realistic and also putting it in terms where it's kind of like it's still a fast-paced, interesting story for younger kids, but also engaging enough for like a 30-something to enjoy. It was really interesting. I think like any kind of very visible difference would be very challenging to live with because at least like in the book like I don't know I feel like I've had like a little bit of experience with this with working with people with disabilities but it's almost like the more visible your disability is the more people have a sense of ownership on how they like are not even so so hard to say yeah like hard to articulate with like a very visible disability almost gives people permission to treat you differently in their own minds or like some of the encounters that this poor kid has people just automatically respond to him as he as though he's some kind of like freakish anomaly right it really impacts him and it really impacts his family and how our feelings can get hurt I mean you know if someone says something negative about the sweater I'm wearing I'm really self-conscious but that's not me that's just something I have on me that day and you know to have people feel like they can comment on something that you really can't change and they really you're not responsible for and 
make you feel bad about it, make you feel afraid of living in the world? I completely agree. I don't know that much about disabilities, so I can't really say all that much about it. But I do, I do think that I understand what you're getting at. It's interesting how the book, like, okay, it's been a long time since I've read it, right? Like it's, I mean, like it's been almost 10 years. I loved it when I read it. Like I loved it so much. I sobbed at when I finished it. Oh my gosh, it's heartbreaking. Ending is so good. Like it's such a, it's such a touching book, but it does sort of make you think about the difference between disabilities. And I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there are times throughout the book where people treat him as if he has a developmental disability. And he's like, no, like I am at the same level of maturity and intelligence as any other fifth grader in this room. But people see that he looks different and assume that he is, that he has like a learning difficulty or something like that. That's sort of interesting. And I think that's something that a lot of people with visible disabilities like hear. Like they assume yeah. that just because you physically can't do something, somehow that affects your mental capacities as well. It does. Yeah. <laughs> like it just doesn't. I don't know why people make that assumption. It's so stupid. That is really frustrating. I mean, sometimes mental and physical disabilities can both be present, yeah. but that is not always the case. In the book, yeah, his acceptance to the school, which is a little bit of a prestigious school, is called into question. Mm. I think one of the parents of the other students says, like, this isn't an inclusion school. Oh my God. And he <sighs> should be here. And makes a big deal about it. Um, he never really has to defend himself. The elementary director does that and says he wouldn't be here if he didn't pass the interview process. I think this is like such a good book for young kids to read because I personally haven't encountered someone who looks like this. But I think knowledge of it, knowledge of the condition can help prepare people for not behaving in a way that is hurtful. Okay, so the book is kind of written from different narrators' perspectives. So it's written, some chapters are his perspective and some are from like other people in his life, like his sister, his sister's boyfriend. And I think like, it kind of shows how like the people who understand his condition when they first meet him are able to respond a little bit better. And that's not like a heavy handed thing that she focuses on. It's just a very subtle, thing that I kind of notice. People who are more educated respond better, whereas kids who've never heard of this condition are kind of surprised by his appearance and then behave in a way that ends up being very hurtful. Yeah, totally. I find that for middle grade books, one thing that they're really great at is taking concepts that as an adult we find so complex and difficult to wade through and breaking them down into really simple ideas and it's just like yeah self-acceptance maybe isn't as complicated as we make it out to be as an adult you know you read a junior book or a middle grade book and you kind of realize there are some things that are simple and junior books can teach you a lot about what in life is simple and i think that's one of the things that wonder really stands out for it's just about being nice to people. Like being nice to people isn't complicated. Just be nice, you know? And it, it really breaks that down. And it's, yeah, it's such a good book. It's really inspiring. I think that all children should read it. And I think that all adults should read it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think so. It's a great book. I'm surprised you hadn't read it sooner, actually. I am too. I don't know why it was kind of like under my radar. It's definitely like a secret hit. Like, I've heard a lot of people in the book community talking about it, like, educated by Tara Westover. Like, everyone, everyone has read that book. Do you know what I mean? Like, it isn't specific to the book community, but Wonder is, like, that thing that everyone who's really into books, I feel, has read or has at least heard of, but the average person hasn't. So I hope that one day it becomes as popular as it deserves to be. Yeah. I feel like my only reason that, like, maybe I just didn't read it because it was a junior book, so it wasn't in the section that I frequent. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't really that aware of it, and yeah. no one had, like, recommended it to me, but I'm really glad I read it, and I would recommend it to others. Yeah, I think that I found it because I had picked up The Fault in Our Stars by John Green, <laughs> and um, there was a table at the bookstore that was like, this book was blue, or this book is blue, and it was all blue books. And I believe Wonder and 
The Fault in Our Stars came out around the same time because both of my copies are in hardcover. I know I read them at the same time because I read The Fault in Our Stars, cried, and then read Wonder and cried. <laughs> I was like, I need a happy book after all of this. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's how I found it. So the next book that I read this month, The Fellowship of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, an unheard of book, never before reviewed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love The Lord of the Rings, like the movies as a child. And I was really intimidated by the books. And then I tried to read The Hobbit when I was 18 or 19, and I couldn't really get into it for some reason. And then at my job this summer, I was working pretty much alone for 10 hours straight doing like physical labor. So I was able to listen to audiobooks. And Ty got The Fellowship of the Ring on Audible. So I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. And I listened to it in the morning before I went to work. And I hated the narration. Like I was like, I cannot listen to this. This is trash. Like, oh my gosh, this sounds so horrible. And then I got to work and I was so bored that I was like, okay, I'll just give it a shot anyways. And I loved it. I just powered through, got used to the narration and I loved it so much, but I only listened to like the first five hours of the book on audio because the first five hours are when they're still in the Shire. And then after about the five hours and, you know, like five minutes, they meet Aragorn and I don't really remember that part of the movie that well. Like I remembered all of the parts of the Shire and like when Gandalf leaves and then comes back. So I was like, yeah, I can follow this perfectly. But then there were parts that were in the book that were just like not in the movie at all. Like they go and talk to Tom Bombadil, which was not in the movie. I was like, who is Tom Bombadil? Like what is happening here? I was super confused. So I stopped and went and picked up the paperback. And then it took me a really long time to read. Like I started reading the book like in August but I just finished it this month. So that's why it's part of my November books. But as I was reading it, Ty wanted me to read it to him. So that slowed us down quite a bit because it takes a long time to read like a 400 page book aloud. There was one day when I think I read almost hundred pages to him because we really wanted to watch the movie. So I finished it finally and I'm obsessed. It was so good. We just started the two towers recently. I love it so much. And I'm like, I am the train conductor of the Lord of the Rings train and I am stopping at every station and telling people get on my train, get on the Lord of the Rings train. And everyone's like, Robin, we were on that train 20 years ago. <laughs> you are late. Everyone has read these books and loved them for so long. Where have you been? But I just, I love it. I love it so much. The setting is so good. I love all of the description. It's not quite as grown up as I thought it was going to be, but it's not as childlike as I found The Hobbit to be. Yeah, if you haven't read Lord of the Rings, you gotta. It's so great. Don't, don't sleep on it like I have been for the last, oh god, like 16 years probably. Yeah, um, I'm kind of shocked that you have not read that before. If you haven't read Lord of the Rings, you deserve to be roasted. I know! <laughs> by I a was, troll around yeah. a fire. I was so nervous to read it because everyone has said like, they're always singing and there's all this setting and it takes them like half the book to get out of the Shire, which is true, but it's amazing anyways. And I just, I don't know. I was very nervous. I was very intimidated. It's a big book. It is a big book. So worth it. Yeah. It, oh my gosh. It is so worth it. And there's so like, so often I have to be like, Hey, where are they? And flip to the back of the book to look at the map. Ty and I are sometimes looking up characters because we're like, who is this person that they're talking about all of a sudden? Like they haven't explained this guy. And you know, if a character isn't regularly appearing within the story, it sort of confuses me. So like, and none of this, I feel like I can somewhat freely discuss this because it's the Lord of the Rings. Like if you haven't watched the movie or read the book, like you're way behind all the time. You don't get to like be protected from spoilers at this point, but I'll do my best. But there's Aragorn's grandfather, who's like mentioned throughout the series. And I keep forgetting, like, I can't remember his name right now. I keep forgetting who he is. And I'm like, who is this guy that they're talking about? And we have to like re-Google it. And it's like, oh yeah, it's his grandfather, like the king of men. And he had the ring and all this crap. So it's very confusing in that way. And I think that I was right to be a little intimidated, um, but it is great. It's so, so perfect. I love it so much. I just want to be so in the good. Shire. I want to be in the Shire and just be a little hobbit. That's my aesthetic. The Shire is my aesthetic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I love those books. I love Tolkien's whole world. I was so fascinated with Tolkien as a teenager and like a young adult and a child. <laughs> Pretty much just like ever since I started really reading 
just like so much respect for his ability to create an entire world and languages and like it's just so beautifully written yeah but I also feel like you made the right choice switching to reading it physically I feel like some books just because of like the imaginative nature and the immersiveness there's something better about reading it to yourself also like as much as I was saying earlier like I love audiobooks that are narrated by the authors themselves a poorly cast narrator can make such a big difference in like your enjoyment of a book and can really turn you off like amazing amazing books no it's true yeah and I I think that the narration for the audiobook is fine. Like it, it wasn't, I don't know why I had such a negative reaction at first. Maybe it, it was like five in the morning, to be honest. Maybe I was just in a bad mood, but the narration is good. I just couldn't keep up with the narration at work without having to like constantly rewind. And then there were certain things that would happen where I wouldn't believe that they were happening. Like I was like, wait, what is going on? Like what just happened? Like things that like, I don't have the background knowledge to to understand like the lore like I'm, I'm missing that information to help me fully understand what's going on so it was just too confusing so I'm glad I I'm glad I switched and hopefully Ty and I will finish the two towers this month and get to watch the next movie because we've been watching the extended editions which I've never seen before we're a very Lord of the Rings household these days oh my gosh great movie really great movie really great book if you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. If you weren't a Tolkien stan, get yeah. <laughs> just like leave the chat. Yeah, seriously. Okay, I don't even know how to follow up <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring. The other book or another book, this is the graphic novel that I read this month in November, and it's called The Fire Never Goes Out by Noelle Stevenson. She is an illustrator and comic artist and I really I actually just didn't know anything about her and got this book randomly Um, but it's kind of it's a memoir and the memoir is kind of told through through her comics but then also um, like an ongoing thing that I guess she has been doing on her website is kind of like a year-end analysis of like how the year went and her accomplishments and struggles and so it's really fascinating to read through and I think it's about maybe about a decade worth of personal growth and development and so kind of going from being someone, you know, a little bit unsure of who they are and, you know, just starting out, experimenting with their art, trying new things to realizing realizing that their sexuality isn't what they thought it was, falling in love, developing a career, changing cities, and... I don't know. I just really liked it. It was really <laughs> fast to read and really cute. And it kind of inspired me. I mean, we're coming up on the end of a very bad year. And, you know, I kind of feel compelled to do a year-end rundown and maybe start that up as something that I do going forward. Because it really, nice. it was so, it was such an interesting concept of like, wow, now you have this kind of chronological record and you can kind of more easily assess how you're doing I mean I don't know if that was like entirely her intention but that's kind of what it ended up looking like interesting I'm gonna have to check that out I've never heard of that before I'll keep mine quick because we've been talking for almost two hours but I also read a graphic novel it was Through the Woods by Emily Carroll, which I talked about in the last episode a little bit, but I couldn't remember her name at the time. It's an interesting graphic novel compared to the ones that I normally read. I normally read standalone graphic novels that don't, like, there's just one story in one book. Um, and this was short stories. So it was five, yeah, five short stories in one graphic novel. And they're all, like, scary. It's supposed to be a little spooky. And it's it's scary, but it isn't, 
it's not going to traumatize anybody. Like it isn't terrifying, terrifying, but it is really good. And really it's creepy. Like it will give you the spooks, but it's not going to keep you up all night. The art style is really cool. And it's a good quick read. If you're looking for that, if you're interested in just something to get you to the end of the year, basically, like I read it in once, like I probably read it in like 45 minutes. Like it's really short. So it's a fun book. I recommend it. Yes. I also recommend it. I think I said before, like a campfire spooky tales kind of thing. A little bit gothic, witchy. I I like the art style. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a total baby, but I also like have a fascination with spooky ghost stories. I also really enjoyed that. I feel the same way. Yeah. I don't want something and too scary, but just a little spooky. I am not the biggest fan of graphic novels mm. just because I don't even know how to explain it. Like, when I'm reading, I really like to just get right in there and just words, 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 words. So when yeah. it's constantly like feel like distracted with pictures, it's just not my favorite. But when I do enjoy one, I really enjoy one. And so I feel as well. Yeah, I'm not crazy about graphic novels, but I do, I do enjoy them when it's the right one. And it's just like that perfect, perfect one. I think that's all the books that we had to talk about today. What are you currently reading, Anne? I, I can't think of anything. I feel like I'm in between books uh, right yeah. now because uh, I don't know. I just let myself lapse. I feel like I had a bunch of books expire that I was like listening mm-hmm. to and reading. Like I had yeah. to take some back. And so I'm kind of, and I had my big slump. So. Yeah. November was a slump for me too. Yeah. I'm currently reading the princess pawn still by maggie l woods and i'm also reading the long way to a small angry planet by becky chambers i think her name is but i'm kind of like eh, working my way through them not super excited so hopefully i'll be finished them for december and that'll be a little it's a little preview for our december review episode next week we're going to talk about reading challenges the reading hot, challenges. hot topic love them or hate them helpful or hurtful Yes, hot topic coming into December, which is like, we only have a month left to finish our reading challenges. Yep. Yep. So I'm going to read something that's on that list. Yep, that's my my plan too. I'll be reading all the Romanian books from my Pop Sugar challenge that I've been Mm -hmm. neglecting. I have two left for my Pop Sugar reading challenge. And I am picking up a children's book at the library today in order to finish one of them because it's not happening. Oh my goodness. I read too many books that are not part of the challenge. It's like, I mean, it's good. I I think we have a lot to get into next next time. Yeah, we do. Well, I think that's all we have today. We're going to have to edit this down a little bit because we're at two hours right now, but that's okay. Yeah. Wow. So long. long. Some of it is garbage. Yeah. Some of it we can cut out. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today, everybody. Bye. Yeah. Bye. And that's our show. Thank you for joining us here at Boxed and Frayed. We have been your hosts, Anne and Robin. You can email us at boxedandfrayed.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at foxandfrayed.podcast. And there you can find a link to our website, which has a master list of all of the books we've discussed. We'll talk to you next time. Happy reading.